Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. We're um, on a journey that we started back at the beginning of the year in January, just right in the first week, and going through the commands of Jesus, talked about being obedient, but we're really looking at what Jesus talks to us about with an eye toward life application, as we've heard. We see the little uh, life apps, and uh, on the phone, it's something that from, that's familiar with us, this idea of application, and it's because Christianity doesn't just exist in a textbook, right? We're, we're not here to just talk about uh, principles and doctrine and dogma, all of which is absolutely important. Really don't want to take any of that away. But if our faith only exists inside of a textbook, so to speak, then it's somewhat rendered irrelevant. And we don't want that. We need to live it. And we need to draw from that text, which is called the scripture, the Holy Bible, to live our life and to make wise decisions and uh, to help us to interact with others and our relationships here. And of course, to help us to interact with our Lord. The Bible helps us apply our relationship with God. And even more. So we need to put it into practice. We need to make life application. And all the more so right now in today's uh, 21st century North American culture, I was reminded how much application we need this morning. I like to look at the local news, see what's happening. And I saw this article about a giveaway, a Valentine's giveaway. I thought, well, hey, I, I should check that out. Maybe it's a romantic weekend. Maybe it's, you know, a restaurant that's local and they have these outdoor bubbles now. Maybe it's a romantic meal. I want to get in on this giveaway. It's a drawing for Valentine's Day. It was a law firm from Troy. Free divorce. Seriously, I'm not making that up. Valentine's Day drawing so that you can get a free divorce, you know, if your heart's broken. We need life application. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to continue to look into it. Last week, we started with uh, Jesus coming and preaching repentance. Repentance, and that word repent, it can be just a dry and dusty old word to us. But for Christianity, repent is an amazing word. And when it's applied in life, it's, it's, about, our, it's about our beginning our start and our walk with our Lord and our Savior, it's not optional. It's life-changing. It's a must. And we can live it out then, too. This life-altering turnaround that we discussed last Sunday, it is lived out and it can bear fruit. And we're going to move on this morning from that initial coming to faith in Christ and turning our life to a second point of importance in Christian life that is foundational. And I want to reference the Great Commission, which we started the year with, 
Just to remind us, in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, Jesus' disciples were with him. Uh, They came to him, and Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And as I said, we've talked about obedience, but there's this foundational part here, a foundational aspect of Christian life from these words of Jesus and what we call the Great Commission. And one of those words is baptism. Jesus said, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And soon after Jesus said that, it wasn't much more than a week later, Peter put it into practice. Peter, one of his closest friends and followers, on this day of uh, Pentecost, it's called. It's a Jewish feast day. 120 people were waiting on the Lord, praying, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. It's just this fabulous, fabulous account that's given in Acts chapter 2. And they began to speak in unknown languages. They were boldly proclaiming Jesus using languages they never learned. Peter goes into action. He starts preaching to a crowd that gathered because it was so different and the noise that was being made drew attention. He preaches with zeal. And it pierces the hearts of the people that were listening to Peter. He went through scripture. He went through the Old Testament prophets pointing to Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. And He proves that Jesus is the Lord and the Messiah using the scripture. And then Peter said, this Lord and Messiah, you crucified. And that's when their hearts were pierced. Their hearts were were broken. And this great crowd of people said, what do we do? They came to that realization, that, that awakening moment about repentance. Sorry for what they'd done. And they said, what do we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. Acts chapter 2, 38 and 39. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what was going on right there. The promise is for you and your children and uh, for those who are far, far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So repent, that's number one. We've talked about it. Turn your life to Jesus. The people said, why? You crucified him. Now, some of the crowd, no doubt, had likely been just a month earlier, 40 days or 40 days is 50 days from the time of the crucifixion to Pentecost. And they had likely been in that crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him. And the mob that shouted that, they, they understood this is something they, they had lived through or they had observed people doing it. Maybe they quietly just gave their uh, endorsement to it. But they realized what they'd done and they repented. And even though none of us were there, we share in that. We share in this crucifixion because Jesus was crucified for sin. He was crucified for our sin. And so when we have that awakening and that realization that he died for our sin, that turn comes, that turn of repentance comes. And then with a heart turned toward God, 
Peter follows this great commission of Jesus. And he says, okay, be obedient, get baptized. Repent and be baptized every one of you. And then Acts 2 verse 41 gives us a little postscript. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They were added to the number. 120 people began the day. Now there's over 3,000. There's over 3,100 in this, what's called the church. They followed the command. They repented. They were baptized. And they were added now to this community. The very first church of Jesus Christ. And so that's why baptism is often referred to as a rite of initiation. And that verbiage, initiation, it's not so common to us anymore. It sort of sounds a little clubby, doesn't it? Oh, we're going to initiate you into our group. Now, fraternities do that and such. But baptism is an initiation in the sense that it's a start. It's a beginning. It's a welcoming. It's a launch into this life with Jesus. And then following him. It's what we heard earlier in the, the Treehouse video. It's, it's a public declaration of faith. Hey, I'm, I'm making this decision to follow Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to declare that. And then follow him. And that's why I say it's foundational. And it, it's a start. It's a beginning. These are the first things one does come into faith. Peter emphasized it. Repent, be baptized. And as you read through the New Testament, you're going to find that baptism is likened to the Old Testament rite of circumcision, which was a beginning. It was for a child, a male, eight days old. Circumcision was the sign. It was a mark of one being in covenant. We sang about covenant a little earlier today. This is a sign of being in covenant with God. Genesis 17, 11, it says, you are to undergo circumcision and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. Circumcision was the sign of the old covenant. And that covenant defined the relationship. People talk about uh, defining the relationship today. Did you, did you do the, the de definition of relationship? You know, people that are dating say, well, the covenant defined the relationship. And so it is with, with baptism. Baptism's likened to this circumcision, but it's different. It's different in the new covenant. It's different in the covenant that Jesus established, the new and everlasting covenant. And it's different in this way that baptism is, first of all, it's not just for males. It's for everyone. And baptism, it's a sign, but it leaves no physical mark. Not like physical circumcision. But yet there's an operation that's performed and we'll, uh, we'll read about that. We heard a little bit about it in uh, the treehouse. And baptism is the entrance and the sign into the new covenant, which is an everlasting covenant, the covenant of Christ. And there's a great description about baptism given in the New Testament letter of Paul to the Colossians. And again, the the video mentioned that. It seems in this church, the church of Colossae, they were being pulled in many different directions, not unlike 
our church nowadays, the culture pulls us. The culture was definitely pulling on the people in that church. There was uh, a, a spiritual pulling. Paul calls these uh, spiritual forces. And that was part of the laws of Judaism being imposed upon the believers in Christ. For example, the food laws or this idea of continuing to have your males circumcised. This was being imposed as a form of righteousness. And there was also in that city this draw of asceticism, which is uh, severe self-denial. Even things like self-flagellation as a means of being righteous before God, punishing oneself. So there was these pulls, and I think we're familiar with some of them. These, this is all confronting this church in Colossae. Paul opens up the second chapter of Colossians and he speaks to some of those things. And then let's read about how Paul says to deal with this. How are you to deal with these, these pulls that you're feeling? So this is Colossians chapter 2 and I'm going to read a great portion of chapter 2 all the way to the end as a matter of fact. And then we're going to go into Colossians chapter 3 and also go through a big piece of it. Because Paul begins here and starts to talk about baptism. And then as he moves through, we're going to find lots of ways to apply baptism in our life. Remaining, applying this as we continue our walk with Christ. So this is Colossians 2, uh, verses 9 to 15. Paul wrote, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Christ is all power. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. That's the mention in the treehouse video about that sinful nature being, being cut away. The circum, being circumcised by Christ. How? Verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him, Jesus, from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemns us. He has taken it away nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. So here, Paul contrasts the old circumcision with this idea of a spiritual circumcision, if you will, in baptism. Baptism, he says, gives this operation performed without hands, and he also gives this image. It's the image of death. Death. We need to die to ourselves. We need to lose our lives in order to gain our lives. This is what Jesus preached. Give up your life to gain your life. And here in baptism, Paul says that there's a death that's going on. And there's this work of Christ being accomplished during that time, this, this spiritual circumcision. Not an, an operation, not by human hands. It's the working of God Almighty. And then this image of death turns, and it's beautiful. You're, you're buried underwater. It's this picture of 
of death and burial, but it turns. And it turns to this magnificent, wonderful image of resurrection, being resurrected, raised from the dead, raised to new life. And how is it that in baptism, one is dead? Paul was just plain talking here. He said, you were dead in your sins. You were dead in your sins. You needed to be buried. That's what we do with the dead. But then you're made alive, made alive in Christ. There's this resurrection. Jesus forgave you. Paul writes about that. He forgave you. He canceled the charge against you. You owed a debt. And that, that charge and that debt, it's been nailed to the cross. Those, not, those charges have been nailed to the cross of Christ. And Christ triumphed over them. His sacrifice triumphed over uh, Satan. And also all these unproductive ways of attempting to be righteous before God. As I said, the open of chapter 2, Paul talked about it. Human philosophy, the traditions of men, the, the kosher diet laws of the uh, laws of Judaism, their ceremonial laws, asceticism, just being super, super self-disciplined. Jesus made a public spectacle of it all when he was made the one true, final, full, complete payment for sin. And he did that by giving his life on the cross. And then he showed proof that he had the power to do it all and he beat out death. How? He was resurrected from the dead. That's baptism. That's rising from death to new life. And it's amazing. So let's, let's take part in it right now. We have one to be baptized. And let's witness this one going from, from death to new life. His name's Daniel McDade. And we're going to baptize him this morning. Pastor Barry is in the, the waters of baptism. He's in the baptistry. Ready? I believe. All right. I knew you were. All right, so Pastor Pat, I talked with Daniel, and he said that this is his public declaration, and you will make this your public declaration yes. in front of these people, that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. He is my Lord, yes. Amen. <laughs> so, Daniel, I baptize you today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm baptizing you into his death and burial for the remission of your sins. And I'm believing God with you for that sign of circumcision to be performed upon your heart. Cutting away that old sinful nature and leaving it here in this watery grave. Yes, granting you the liberty to rise to walk Jesus. in newness of life. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hold your breath. All right. That's it. There's one who's not ashamed to say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Make that public declaration. It's obedient to baptism, and it's a great thing because Jesus is the one true, final, full, complete, forever payment for our sins. He saved our lives. He saved Daniel's life, and he showed the proof of it by being raised from the dead. 
Paul wrote great, great words about it, and he continued. He begins this idea of baptism being raised, and he's going to continue through all of chapter 2. And as I said, going into chapter 3, about halfway through chapter 3, the context of baptism's there. And now he gets into, well, now how do we live this out? Daniel just did that, and if we've done that, we've been buried with Christ and resurrected with him. Now, what do we do to move forward? How do we really, truly make application in our life? Colossians 2, verses 16 to 23, Paul says, therefore, and therefore, he had written all this about baptism, now therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon, celebration, or a Sabbath day. Again, these people are getting pulled back into these rites of Judaism. And Paul says, don't let anyone judge you by that. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ. Again, now this is a reference back to baptism. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Here, again, this is this idea of asceticism or some of the, the Jewish laws. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. They're not spiritual. They're not from God. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So Paul begins to write here about how to make life application to our baptism, how to live as one. What are his words? You died with Christ. So let's talk about how to live the resurrected life. You were also raised with Christ. He wrote, through your faith in the working of God, who raised Jesus from the dead. Again, Jesus proved it. So then Paul says, now live like it. If you've been baptized and you can say you've been buried with with Christ and you've been raised, you've been uh, brought up, now live like it. And Paul gives details. He gives details of what he had introduced at the open of the chapter. He talked a little bit about it at the beginning of chapter two, but now he goes into some detail about the deceptive philosophy of the world, spiritual forces, false ways, false ways to gain and attain righteousness before God. Don't let anyone judge you by what you choose to eat and drink or religious days, new moons, Sabbath days, etc. Paul wasn't, by the way, sanctioning just licentiousness, do whatever you want. He wasn't a given license for gluttony and being a drunkard by saying, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. No, he was talking about all the rules and the regulations, specifically in Judaism, You know, if you eat shellfish or pork, you're not unclean. And if you don't, it doesn't make you any more righteous before God Almighty. That's false humility. It's human teachings. It's 
This idea of two being harsh to your body and hyper uh, self-discipline, it has no value, the apostle wrote. You died with Christ and you've been raised. And the reality is that your righteousness is made holy before God Almighty by Christ alone, period. Nothing else is going to render you righteous. So, From the the baptism life app, I'll say, we get this. Beware of legalism. Whether it be in the form of religious rules, religious observations, or human doctrines. Like hyper self-discipline. Any of these things can take your focus off of Jesus Christ. You might think, oh, that's all stuff from the way, you know, that's 2,000 years ago. Seriously, is there anybody... Going after the ways of Judaism now, that's not going to affect us. But it has affected us. Well-meaning Christians, well-meaning Christians associated with this body, with this church, have been pulled away by this. And I'll say that I corresponded with one to, to just ask questions, find out what this was all about. And there wasn't any aggression. There wasn't any contention. It was a very kind interaction and kindly kindly I was being persuaded or at least there was this attempt to persuade me and convince me that I'm in error I'm in error for not teaching all of you that you should observe the Old Testament feast days that you should observe the Jewish rites and customs that we should for sure tell everyone who has a son born they must be circumcised well, Jesus was circumcised. This was part of, the, part of the persuasion. So should we. And I shouldn't eat pork or shellfish. And Saturday should be our day of worship, not Sunday. Because this is the way, it, this is the, way the Bible lays it out. So I asked sincerely, kindly. Again, this was, a, this was a, a good interaction. I asked, am I misleading people? Should I repent Am I in sin? Am I in sin for, for, for what I eat and the days I observe? And the answer to me was yes. I see in you a sinful attitude. This is 2021. And this is the same thing Paul was contending with. And he, he was battling against it. And he was considered a heretic. He was arrested by the Jews. And Paul said, I'll tell you why I'm on trial. I'm on trial for the resurrection, for my hope in the resurrection. We have been resurrected with Christ. Paul had met Jesus, and he who once had lived by all these religious rules, he discovered righteous living is only found in Christ. It's not found in legalism. It's not found in observing rights to every jot and tittle, following traditions, holy days of obligation. Paul made the point here in this letter to the Colossians. And he also made it to the Romans and to the Galatians and to the Corinthians and to the Ephesians and to the Philippians. You read those letters and he talks about, why are you going off to be circumcised? What are you doing chasing after all those things? He warned Timothy and Titus about it in the pastoral letters. To follow those ways... What does that say about your resurrected life in Christ? 
It says that the death of Jesus on the cross, it just wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It wasn't full. It wasn't complete. Yeah, Jesus, it's Jesus' death. Yes, Jesus' death wins me salvation plus no pork. It's Jesus' death plus. Jesus' death plus, oh, plus circumcision. Yes, then, I'll, then, I'm, then I'm righteous. And that takes the focus off of Christ alone. Whatever it is, whatever form of, uh, of rule or regulation one's following to make themselves righteous before God, it's Jesus plus. And it means Jesus didn't pay it all, but he did. Jesus paid it all. And Paul emphasized that point as he continues. Let's go into Colossians chapter 3. We finish chapter 2. How does Paul begin Colossians chapter 3, verse 1? Since then, very similar to the word therefore, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Again, he's continuing in the context of baptism. He's writing in depth about this. He introduced it back in chapter 2. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. See, I said it takes the focus off of Jesus when we chase these other things for righteousness. Paul says, set your heart on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. There it is again. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now some more application. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. There's that new life again. The new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. Now there's the opposite of all that he had just talked about. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another. Instead of lying, bear with one another. Forgive one another if you have any grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The apostle is being relentless here. The context is still remaining. You were baptized. You, you were buried with Christ. You died. And now you've raised to a new life. He was relentless. Beware of legalism. Now set your affections on Christ. Your affections. He mentioned your heart and your mind. That's what he said in the opening here of chapter 3. Put your mind and your heart. That's your affections on Christ. Your life has been raised to a new life. And you're covered by Jesus Christ. You're not covered by some form of self-righteous acts that spill over into legalism. You're under Jesus. 
only Jesus, not Jesus plus, not Jesus plus special diet, not Jesus plus human rules. No, we're not under that. We're under Jesus only, only Jesus. And that image is given to us in this idea of your life is hid. Your life is hidden. That's being under Christ. Verse 11 gives us somewhat of a summation of it all. There's no Jew or Gentile. There's no circumcised or uncircumcised. No barbarian, no Scythian. Christ is all. I mean, that is how we're supposed to live as baptized people. Christ is all. It's not what you eat or what you drink. That is not going to win you a better salvation. Christ is your life. He's your covering. Be hid in the covering of Jesus Christ. You're hidden in him. Live that way, the apostle is saying. Beware of this idea of legalism. Set your affections on Christ and Christ alone. Your heart and your mind. And now put to death sin. He went on. Rid yourself of sin. And the, the man gave us a list. If we think, if, we, if we're asking for, well, what's sin? He gave us a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, etc. Desires of greed, he went on. And it's not legalism. Let's get this straight. It's not, he's not getting legalistic by telling you not to commit adultery. It's not. It's not legalism to call sin, sin. Sin is sin. Legalism calls sin that which is not sin. That's what legalism will do. Legalism will call sin that which isn't sin. And there's a big difference. And Paul's making the point here, and this is sin. Do not engage in this. Kill it, put it, put it off, do away with it. Jesus was and Jesus always is against sin. And to continue in a life of sin after repentance and after you've been baptized and you've been raised with Christ, that's not having your affections on Jesus. You have taken off the old self, Paul said, and you put on a new self, a new life. You've been raised, all made possible by Jesus Christ in the cross. He said he nailed it to the cross, all, all of our penalty and our debt. And he gives this image of, of changing clothes. Now, if you take off your filthy clothes, if, if your clothes are filthy and dirty because you've been out doing something terribly filthy, sloppy, digging holes, something, I don't know, making yourself covered with mud. If you take off those filthy clothes and you put on some bright, new, clean clothes, are you going to jump back into the mud hole and make yourself filthy again? Paul says, don't do that. Put to death the filth. Don't go back to it. You, you clothe yourself. He said, with compassion, kindness, humility, of bearing with one another and such, forgiving. The, the idea of traditions and obligations, whether uh, they be legalisms of culture or religion, those are all about, those are all about ourself. And we do these things, it's self-righteousness. It's an inward motivation. It's about me. And Paul flips it. If your life is hidden, Christ, if you've clothed yourself with these things, compassion, kindness, forgiveness, that's not motivated by self. This is about others being compassionate. 
being kind, being humble. It's about someone else. It's not inwardly focused. And then Paul brings it all home. He brings it home here, uh, Colossians 3, and uh, this is verses 15 to 17. Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So beware of legalism. Set your affections on Christ. Put to death sin and do everything. Do all. Do all. This is, this is the pinnacle, if you will, of a life app for baptism. Do all you do for Jesus. Everything. You've been raised in Jesus Christ in a new life. And what does that do? It brings you into a new community, Paul says. You're you're among others. See, Old Testament circumcision, that was a sign that you've been brought into the old covenant. You're under that old covenant. Baptism is a sign of being in the new covenant. As I had said earlier, it's it's a sign that you're in the new covenant that's the kingdom of God on earth. And it's not made up of any race or nationality. It's not Jew or Gentile. Paul had already made that point. It's those in Christ. There's no nationality. There's no race. Paul said, let let his peace and his message of salvation dwell among you. And are we living that out? Are we living out our baptism? Are we living out that we're resurrected people? By letting that message of salvation dwell richly among us in the community and sharing and teaching and worshiping together with gratitude. Thank you, Jesus. Not that you paid part of it. Not that it's you plus I got to do all this other stuff, but thank you that you paid it all. That's, That's living our baptism every day. And whatever you do, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. Do it all for Jesus. This is... This is the pinnacle of the life application of the baptized, circumcised, and heart believer who's been raised to a new life. Are you doing it all for Jesus? Are you doing it all for Jesus? Or is it, or is it Jesus plus? Jesus plus, I got to do this. Jesus, plus I got to do that. Some philosophy, doctrine, tradition, legalism, false humility. All these works for the sake of righteousness. Those are self-preserving, self-motivated, inwardly focused. They're not focused on Jesus. They're not all about Jesus. Set your affections on the things above Jesus. Rid your life of the former ways of sin do everything for him this is the life application of one who's been raised from the dead with Christ have you entered the kingdom have you entered through repentance and baptism I know most all of you sitting here I'm sure have but if there's any who haven't or any any of listening in today 
You can be baptized like Daniel McDade was this morning. Stand up and say, I, this is my faith. I believe this. I am going to turn my life to Jesus Christ and do it all for him. I'm going to put away this junk that I've been doing to try to make myself righteous. Whether they be traditions or whatever, or, or things I was brought up in, and a religion that told me I must do this in order to make myself pure and holy before God. If you're willing to put that away and turn to Christ and be baptized, we're here for you. And we're going to leave this water up here and keep it warm and treated. And we'd love to be able to stand with you when you make that public declaration of your faith. You let us know. You give a call to to our church office, send an email, talk to someone, get the word in. We want you to do that. And then, then stand with you as the community. We worship together, but we teach. We stand together to help you live that life applied as a resurrected person. Let's, let's pray as we close today and you can stand to your feet as we pray and ask uh, God's blessing on all of you. And as I said, most, I know you're baptized believers. We can be, we can be tempted by these things and they're out there. These ways to pull us and take our focus off of Christ. And, and if any of that's needling you, set your affections above. Your heart and your mind this morning as we close. Father in heaven, in the name of Jesus Christ, your only son, our Lord, who died for us on the cross, gave his life. And he was raised from the dead to prove that he's got the power of our death, hell, and the grave. God, I pray for any and all in this room or any who are touching through technology, they're part of this, listening, God. If they're being pulled, if they're being persuaded to follow some human doctrine, some religious rite ceremony, Lord, and their eyes have been taken away from Jesus. I pray for the strength, Lord, of the Holy Spirit to move and turn that that focus back on Christ. Help any heart in this room, God, that affections have been taken away, any heart or mind, Lord, and I pray that the affections would be back to the cross of Christ and realize that he's paid it all, he's done it all, and there's nothing more that we can do but continue to follow him in our life, Lord, and do as he says. God, I pray that that strength and power would be for every single person here and those beyond God. And if there's anyone who's never, ever turned their life to Jesus, they've not been baptized, God, I pray, Lord, they'd make themselves known. Lord, that we'd be here, we're here for them. They can make that that public announcement, Jesus is mine. I'm going to clothe myself in Christ. I'm going to be buried with him and raised with him. God, I pray that we'd hear from more. I pray there'd be testimonies. Bless us as we go, God. Bless us. Keep everyone. Keep them safe in their drive, Lord. Watch over all. Return us again, Father God, to worship you, to praise your name. We ask these graces, these favors, in the name of our great, our wonderful Lord Jesus. Amen.